1: Hello, I'm Melissa Locker. And I'm Courtney Eastman. And you are listening to Songs My Ex-Ruined, the show where we talk about songs that have been ruined by our exes. Hello, and welcome to Songs My Ex-Ruined. We are joined today by Ivy Lee, who, much like myself, is an avid indoorsman, (laughs) (laughs) But she's been challenging herself on FOGO, her Fear of Going Outside podcast, to actually leave the great indoors and venture outwards, which I don't totally support, but I love having you do it. (laughs) I am so happy to be here indoors recording a podcast with y'all. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you stay inside for a while. I mean, if you feel the need to like bolt and like head outside, you let us know. I
2: mean, I guess only if we talk about the X too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Understandable, relatable. Yes.
1: Yeah, you just throw yourself outside. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Give me to the Bobcats. I'm done. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. Well, dear podcast listeners, if Ivy makes a break for it, we will let you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The thing that you've been listening to every episode of this show, Waiting to Happen, has finally happened. (laughs)
0: Death by X. Yeah, (laughs) death by nostalgia. Mm.
1: Oh, took the wrong exit off of memory lane.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. That was very poetic. That's why I listen.
2: (laughs) Is that that not why other people are listening? It's also how I watch nature shows, incidentally, because, you know, I host a nature show because I love nature shows, not because I love nature. And I'm watching all these nature shows and I'm just like, oh, my God, why? Like, there's a very like train wreck,
0: rubbernecking quality to the way I watch nature shows, you know? (laughs) Ivy, can I tell you that I foster dogs and every now and then I get a dog that watches TV. So I put on a nature show for them just to see what will happen and like what animals they'll react to the most strongly. Oh, my
2: God. What (laughs) happens? Do they just they're just like, oh, my God, that's out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like some of the dogs, they'll bark at it or growl at it or like try to herd the TV. (laughs) It's pretty amazing.
1: It's delightful.
0: It's so much fun.
1: Have you guys seen the French bulldog on TikTok who's in love with Henry Cavill?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm Mm. obsessed with the whole saga of this dog.
1: Tell me. It's literally just like the dog's, you know, owner, human companion was watching The Witcher or something and she noticed her dog was super paying attention. And so she just started testing it with all different Henry Cavill roles and the dog is obsessed. And now people started sending like Henry Cavill, like cutouts and little pillows and the dog is just like henry cavill obsessed which is amazing i wonder
2: if her dog and henry cavill knew each other in a past life (gasps) that
1: seems like the only possible explanation right i love that and they they used to fuck you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) or they have serious beef like you never know with a dog it it looks like adoration but they could hate you (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's like one time he threw a stick, but he actually pretended to throw the stick.
0: Yeah. And I've carried it with me ever since.
1: So, Ivy, congratulations. This is the longest we have made it into a podcast without asking the guest what song an ex has ruined for them. Oh, Oh, is that what we're here to talk about? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I can turn anything into a nature show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a song by the Killers called All the Things that I've Done. So this was, admittedly, a very good album. And I was dating a boy, which is already red flag, as I'm a raging bisexual, already a red flag, <laughs> a cisgender man, just immediate red flag. But he was super into this album. And he and I had very different taste in music. But I'm, I feel like I'm pretty open minded with music. I personally kind of live in like rap, hip hop, reggaeton world, you know, but I have so many artistic friends and they just bring me kind of the best parts of their genres that they're into. And I love to listen to it all. Right. But of course, I will listen to mediocre things from the genres that I love because I love the genre so much that I'm like, ah, you know, even a mediocre version of the genre that will pass in three minutes, not worth changing the radio for, you know, back when people listen to radio. (laughs)
0: Sure. Ancient history.
2: (laughs) Right. So people who are really into this Killers album, it was a big deal album for people who were listening to kind of like rock music at that time. Right. And even I could hear like, hey, this is a good album. Like if there was one album that crossed over to my world, this is a really good candidate for a crossover. And this guy, we were semi long distance. We lived a couple hours from each other. And so we would see each other on the weekends and he would play the entire album, like just as soon as he woke up that was like our morning cooking breakfast music you know he really loved that album and and he himself could play some musical instruments um and was decent at them and so I think he admired very much the musicality and he would kind of sing these songs and this song at the time was probably the song I felt was catchiest on the album I think it was one of the singles that was released from it so that's not that unusual right for them to release a catchiest song but for me this is the one that I'm like ah oh, you know this has got a beat this is syncopated you know like this is music I could get into and I think after we broke up and he broke my heart into a million pieces and then I started to unpack why basically the sounds of like whiny white men it just no longer held any <laughs> interest for me then once I heard the song and I could kind of hear that the parts of this music that were resonating with me were not the parts that were resonating with him. And he identified so much with the lead singer. And I think the way that they sang the song, I was like, oh, this is just a white boy whining and I I don't want to hear it anymore.
1: (laughs) So if you're going to just cut out all music by whiny white men, that's a lot of rock history just down the tubes. So like you got no more black keys, you got no more... um, Josh, Ami, anything you got? um, No
0: more John Mayer, but I'm cool with that.
1: um, Is he rock?
0: Well, good question.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, he plays guitar like a rock person, but he makes pop music. Like David Bowie is not whiny, but he is white. Is he rock or is he pop? Some people straddle the line, I think.
2: I mean, not a whole lot in my life would
0: change without any of these people whose names I barely know. <laughs> there are some whiny white man bands that I would miss, like R.E.M., very whiny, very white, but I love them so much. Like if I cut that out, I would be bummed. Is Johnny Cash, do you feel
2: like he was whiny or was he just a legit sad boy? Yeah,
0: he's the man in black. Like that's a whole different that's a different vibe. He's not
2: whiny, he's just conveying his actual live life to you. You feel like, okay, yeah, cuz I I like him. I like yeah. his stuff. Yeah. Pavarotti? Pavarotti definitely not whiny. Uh. <laughs> we could
0: keep Pavarotti can stay. Pavarotti can stay. Yeah, I mean, you could take away a lot of these guys and replace them with Leon Bridges or something, and we'd all be better off. Ivy, what do you know about the killers other than like this song and this music? Do you know anything about where they're from or who they are? It's been
2: so long. I probably knew a little bit back then, but I I don't
0: tell me. So they claim to be from Las Vegas, which is, first of all, sketchy and a huge red flag. Anybody who thinks they're a Vegas negative, like, huge red flag to me. Sorry. But the real thing is there's all this talk about them being Mormons. And that's the thing. Like, their lead singer, Brandon Flowers, is, in fact, a Mormon. And I would like to know, he's never commented publicly, but does he wear the magic underwear or not? (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of, like... Space out there in the world and music journalism given to dissecting their lyrics and trying to pick out like religious undertones in it. And I think it's pretty clear, like with the bombast and everything, there is a lot of religious stuff going on.
1: Oh, that's why we did Mr. Brightside in church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, say more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go on. Okay. I was like- <laughs> just looking for the religious undertones here.
0: But yeah, there's a lot of people that have dissected, is he talking about Jesus in this song? Like, how many times does this man reference Jesus? It's a lot. Maybe it's a cult.
2: But then did they figure out whether or not he wears a
0: magic underwear or no? I know. We have questions. He deflects always about any religious questions in, in interviews. He's very private about his religion. So no, no one is uncovered what his underwear situation is. That feels like a yes. Yeah, right? That feels like a yes.
2: And and actually, that reminds me of a story. The family of this boy that I dated, when he was a baby, they were Pentecostal missionaries abroad. Oh, wow. So it was like a very religious family, right? I mean, they were taking their family abroad like in the name of their religion. So they were very serious. But they also... Portray themselves as I think much more chill about religion than they actually were. And I am a deeply curious person. I want to know everything about where do you come from? What do you believe? Like, what are you allergic to? Are you single? What are you looking for? But are you sure that's what you're looking for? Or is that just like a checklist to protect your heart because you know nobody's going to mean it? Like, I get really deep really fast with people, you know, Uh, because I'm just a curious person. And so I remember one time asking his grandma I had learned that in this particular sect of Protestantism, that they speak in tongues right so I was living in Georgia which is which speaking in tongues is actually I think more common there than it is here and it's just kind of part of the consciousness and I and I kind of put two to two together that like this is one of those sects that does that and so I I asked grandma about it around the dinner table and the whole family was around and everybody just went ha 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 and totally did not address the question at all wow so sketchy
1: it's a cult (laughs) it's a
2: cult yeah so to me the answer is yes. yes
1: yes and they don't want to go into it why do it if you don't want to tell people about it like the whole point of you know being Pentecostal is sharing the good word. And if that is the good word, come down to you in the form of speaking in tongues in church, like share that with everybody, share that with the, you know, raging bisexual at your dinner table. <laughs>
0: I think it's nice that they like have recognized that this seems a little extreme to people, and they don't want to own it.
2: Yeah, not every aspect of these religions is about being open to sharing. and sharing. I think the the Mormon Church is a really like really good example. I remember my first experience with young Mormon friends who, when they were getting married, members of their own families couldn't attend the ceremony because they weren't Mormon, so they couldn't enter into the Mormon. I think they call it a temple. I don't think they call it a church, but basically whatever the the version of a church is. Uh, And so then they had to have a reception kind of like at at a hotel where it didn't matter what your underwear was or whatever, you know, (laughs) you just show up. And this is culturally, I'm Vietnamese, I'm Buddhist. Our weddings are like hundreds of people. (laughs) Like the bride Mm -hmm. and groom doesn't know half of the people that are at their weddings a lot of the times. And so to me, I was just like, it's just so upside down, like what kind of... Organization would prevent family members from attending a wedding, like what is the point of a wedding at that point? you know
0: totally legit question well, that's interesting that there's a a religious extremism through line with the killers and with the sky, and he maybe he picked up on it subconsciously, like maybe it spoke to him in that way.
2: maybe I think they do send each other a lot of subliminal messages through music in that world
0: a lot of coded language and lyrics, like seriously.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah like having grown up in in church I can tell when I accidentally flip to a Christian radio station in about 1.2 seconds me too i would be like that's a Jesus song Jesus Mm -hmm. song flip -flip." (laughs) (laughs) you can tell there is something in it that you're just like instantly aware that they are trying to convert you Mm. yeah you're like that's
2: a love song about Jesus (laughs) (laughs) next
0: (laughs) so creepy So I was working at MTV when the Killers first albums came out and I got invited by the person at Island Def Jam to go see them and they were on Island. But I didn't know that at first because they put out an EP with like no label affiliation on it. They did that on purpose because they wanted to tap into around that time. I think it was like 2003 or four. There was just a lot going on with indie rock, and they wanted to sort of like make it seem like they weren't on a major label at first and get all the blog love, which is so shady, so so shady. And then it comes out and it's like got the major push and is on the radio and you know has tons of money behind it, and you're just like, oh, this band, hmm, crafty. That is sketchy. I do remember them having that
1: indie vibe, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was all a lie.
0: It was very cultivated.
1: Stay tuned. We're just taking a quick break, and we'll be right back.
3: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again.
0: Tell us about what happened with this song. So it sounds like thematically, the way that this went is it got ruined by overexposure.
2: It's a, it's not over. It's just when uh when before it was just a bop, and then I think after we broke up, I just started to unpack. Have you ever dated people where you realize like they didn't really want to be your partner I think bisexual women have this issue too or like do I like her like her or do I just want to be her hmm. and I definitely had dated guys where like didn't really want to be with me they just wanted something that I had in myself for themselves and something that I thought that you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a clever girl. I grew up really scrappy. As the daughter of immigrants, I, I, I've had the great privilege to travel the world and have a lot of different careers and satiate my curiosity most of the time uh, when my curiosity sometimes feels utterly insatiable. But if a man wants, you know, power and wealth, like those are very like... I mean, a lot of people want power and wealth, you know, like this is a very normal run of the mill human like and I'm totally not judging it moral or good or bad or anything. Those are just like really normal things that people want so much so that we have cautionary tales about, you know, not wanting it too much because then bad things will happen to you or whatever. So I thought that him and guys like him who were like ambitious and hardworking and, you know, from good families, like wanted Power and wealth. I'm like, well, if that's what you want, then we can be partners and we can try to build that life for ourselves. And I will be a good and dedicated partner in that. Right. But I think what this person wanted was just for powerful and wealthy people to like them. And powerful and wealthy people did like me. I'm well traveled. I speak four languages. I know a lot about art history, like visual art history, sculpture and architecture and design and things like that. Cause like, growing up, I couldn't afford to do like sports or whatever, but at least in AP art, you could kind of make things from found materials, you know, and I was very resourceful in that way. And so I I knew a lot about art, you know, I'm not ashamed of where I come from, I don't hide it very much. But I'm funny. I'm well-traveled. I'm educated. You know, I'm, I'm a big comedian. I'm a professional comedian. I wasn't a comedian back then, but kind of the quality of being a comedian is just kind of innate, I think, to a lot of comedians. And so powerful and wealthy people enjoyed my presence and would listen to kind of my ideas about politics, even when they disagreed with me, would still kind of like hear me out. And I think he wanted that for himself. But he did not really want like a wild, artistic, (laughs) you know, loud Texas girl's parents are from Vietnam who puts hot sauce and fish sauce and everything, you know, like I'm a lot. And I don't think he really wanted that. And for me to want power and wealth is like one thing. But to just want to be liked by powerful and wealthy people is obviously I can't relate to that. (laughs) I I don't really care. Right. If you care too much, then you can't speak truth to power. And that's something I cared about a lot and still do.
0: I still do. That's so interesting because it also like, I feel like I'm setting up psychological profile of this person, but it really speaks to this sort of um, earnestness of the killers that Mm. it sounds like is another through line of something that really spoke to this guy. Like it might be why he liked them because the sort of like desire to be liked and to contort yourself into different Types of personalities or situations in order to be liked like that speaks to that same sort of, you know, I'm putting myself out there, just to love me kind of thing that Brandon Flowers does. Just love me. <laughs> That should be a killer's lyric. Please just love me.
2: Is that what their whole thing is? Is that what their whole album was? Because I have been listening to the whole album, I think since this mid early 20s, like stage of my life. And I picked this song because it is just kind of, I think the biggest single. So it's the most likely song to just randomly come on in a restaurant or something like that. But I'm sure I could find like a more annoying song in retrospect if I had it in me to listen to the whole album.
0: But is the whole album just kind of like that? Like, please like me. That is the most annoying song on the album, first of all. It's also the most popular and most catchy, but it is also the most annoying. Okay, okay. <laughs> So Melissa and I come from this world of indie rock people and like the snobbishness of it and the clickiness of
1: it. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yes, you do. And you're like at the center (laughs) of it and so am I and we're terrible people. So, (laughs) but the fences that world builds around itself and those are replicated in other genres of music too. That's just the one we're familiar with. There's a reason that those people make music to be played in small rooms and people like Coldplay or The Killers or the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
1: Oh, I recently learned who Muses.
0: Oh, yeah. Muse are art rock nerds who make this kind of music. They're a little weirder, but it's definitely a certain type of person that wants music to be played in sports stadiums. And if you read David Byrne's book, How Music Works, he talks about the difference in composing that kind of music and the kind of music that has to reach to the rafters of a sports arena, which is not a place made to have music played in it. The music reverberates and comes back and there has to be a certain kind of sound to it. There are certain limitations to writing that kind of music. And lyrically, it has to, you know, resonate with such a huge base of people to be able to make you a band that tours and plays stadiums.
2: That's so interesting because, you know, comedians, we think about that too. Yeah. Yeah that there are also kind of certain fences around certain parts of comedy by I guess I never thought about them as fences, but we call them gatekeepers. So, I mean, yeah, I guess the the metaphor is still fences and that there are definitely comics who write material for smaller spaces or for theater spaces rather than traditional comedy clubs. And obviously some world famous, like Kevin Hart is obviously a stadium performer, you know, (laughs) And, and they necessarily have to write and perform their material differently. It's so interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's a part of why comedy and indie rock have gone together so well. Like all the sort of David Crosses that decided they hated playing comedy clubs and went on tour with indie rock bands in the 2000s, which started a thing.
2: I didn't know that, but I love that. I also want music and comedy to be closer together abroad and a lot of these comedy festivals, musicians and comedians are kind of playing back to back at the same like they're calling it a comedy festival, but there's just bands all over the place. And I'm like, God, we need that energy here. I live in Austin, Texas, like supposedly the live music capital of the world. And our music and our comedy scene are are really not amplifying each other like that at all.
1: So if the killers ask you to open for them on tour, what do you say?
2: (laughs) What's your answer? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, like, darling, I, i I I don't think your demographic is my demographic.
1: They want to branch out.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Your ex says otherwise. Like there's a certain part of their demographic that might be really like vibing with you. Whether you are vibing with them is a different question.
2: I'll be real with y'all. You know, my demographic is hot bitches. (laughs) 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 If I am in a lineup uh, of comics at a traditional comedy club and there is just tables of hot bitches, Because there'll be individual hot bays on a date or something, you know. But if there's like tables of them, they're there to see me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) They are not there to see the other comics. Do you know what I mean? Like that is legitimately my demographic. And and I just don't think that's what the killers are pulling. That's fair. That's fair. I think the killers are pulling guys that I only would have dated before my brain fully developed.
0: (laughs) That is accurate. Yes. Great assessment. (laughs) Brutal burn, but accurate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I have a killers related story, which actually ties into my fear of going outside, which is something you might be able to relate to, which is that one time I was on a hiking trip, which is not my normal thing, but I did grow up in Oregon and They forced us to do these things on occasion, did not totally have a choice in these matters. It's like you're surrounded by woods, so eventually you have to venture forth into them. Also, there's this thing called outdoor school where they send every sixth grader into the woods for an entire week. What? And you just learn how to, like, not die. What? What? Yeah, it's a whole thing out here. So anyway, one time I was in the great outdoors and we were told that there were bears. And if there are bears around, you have to try and... Alert them to your presence in the hopes that they will run the opposite direction in that they don't actually want to eat you and would like to stay far, far away from you, Um, which you could probably make some sort of relationship to the dating scene and that. But anyway, so the best way to do this is to make a lot of noise. So someone had the great idea to turn on their little... I guess it was their phone, and just start blasting. But for some reason, the only album they had on their phone, and like this was like very early on in the phone world, but the only album they had was The Killers, and they were just playing Mr. Brightside at full volume to scare off bears. That would scare <laughs> off anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we did not see any bears. So let me tell you, The Killers are excellent bear deterrent. <laughs> it works. It worked. Wow. 100%. <laughs>
0: the payoff on that, A+. Plus.
1: Like, Wow. <laughs> I'm dying. so you know the next time you want to you know go outside just feel free to borrow that little you know nugget take it <laughs> bless the killers
2: i can't bears is gonna have to take me because i'm not playing this album no more <laughs> <laughs>
0: no ma'am i'm done yeah <laughs> what a way to go let's let's dig into that tell us more about your it sounds like you really hate this album now like how did the worm turn on this one for you So I went back because I'm like, you know, it's been so long and
2: it was a very critically acclaimed album. Maybe if I play it again, I'll just like kind of hear it fresh. But it's just still like the voice of a whiny white man. I'm like, why are you whining? So if anything, I think in light of the like the last six years of my country, (laughs) that I I think it's even worse. I think the time is even worse for me to revisit this music, you know?
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't recommend it or anything, but.
1: Yeah, and bears are having a moment. Have you heard of cocaine bears? (laughs) Yes. I don't know cocaine bears. I mean, in truth, I do not know cocaine bears will be repelled by the killers.
0: (laughs) I feel like they might run towards the killers, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) party. Let's throw down. (laughs) Party. Yeah. I understand you also have an episode of the podcast in your current season where you learned how to camp and how to prepare your own food in the wild.
2: So season one was about figuring out how to go camping. And I literally did do it. I actually went camping. And that's episode 10 of season one. That's the season finale. With a chef, right? Oh, no. This season, I do talk to a couple chefs because in season two, I'm trying to figure out how to go hunting Okay. From like nothing, except the fact that I've been camping one time, right? But I'm like, oh, camping, it wasn't as dangerous as I thought it was going to be. So like, how hard could hunting be? (laughs) What are you hunting with is question number one. That was also my question, number one. (laughs) You're trying to get a gun. In episode one, I know it sounds wild, but when you listen to it, it happens really organically. I end up on a Second Amendment conservative talk radio show trying to convince one of these guys to lend me their gun. (laughs) <laughs> and that's just episode one, right? It actually gets much, much more unpredictable, like episode by episode. <laughs> no one knew what a circus trying to figure out how to go hunting was going to be. And I certainly didn't know because I, I don't know enough about the outdoors to kind of get the nuance between different levels of outdoorsiness, right? So to me, hunting and camping and dog sledding i guess i can't think of a whole lot of outdoors things off the top of my head because it's, it's not my world but to me i, I kind of paint them all with one broad stroke because of my own ignorance and and i kind of put them all in one bucket which i call white nonsense <laughs> turns out y'all need a lot of buckets and hunting and camping are, are actually not in the same one but by the time i figured it out it was just too late to turn back <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you a white nonsense story now. Please. It starts with one of my cousins, one who's the same age as me, got married when we were in our mid-20s. That was his first marriage. That is over now. But I met this girl <laughs> at their wedding, and so I obviously asked her, so how did you guys meet? Like, What's your meet-cute story? And she's like, oh, I do accounting with my aunt's firm, and um, we were working with his business on some projects, and we started emailing. And And just corresponding. And it was really nice. But I really fell for him when he sent me a picture of himself with this 10-point buck that he'd killed. Oh, man.
2: So your cousin is the reason why all these guys are posting their
0: pictures with fish on their dating profiles? I mean, he's definitely an early adapter. Yeah. Is there, Ivy, a soundtrack to your camping and hunting adventures? Actually there is but it's it's
2: original music by the composer Michelangelo Rodriguez who he lives in LA he makes scores for like movies and commercials and TV shows and things like that but he's from Austin his mom lives just a few minutes from my place just a couple minutes down the road so um, we were so thrilled to have somebody who was local to just give the show just a very Texas sound. I have a very Texas sound <laughs> and I just didn't want my podcast to sound like two white dudes in Brooklyn made it to impress their friends or something you know what I mean like I, I wanted it to sound like what being in Texas like really sounds like and and he, he Michelangelo did an incredible job you can I'm like in his like 99th percentile of listeners on Spotify because I listen to his soundtracks to write all the time he's so talented and he loves scoring for comedy because he says that when you when you score things for comedy. The the people who make the movie don't force you to stay in one genre. It could be multiple genres that you have to score in like one thing, right? When totally it's true in, in this season, he has to score some techno, some jazz. He has to score all kinds of stuff, obviously, because it's hunting, some thriller music, you know, some suspenseful thriller music. He composes all kinds of things. And I really do listen to his themes Sometimes when I'm just like bored walking around trying to figure out what to write next or like what to observe when I'm feeling overwhelmed in the outdoors, yeah, I, I really do.
0: Oh, that's so cool! I love that.
1: Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining our show. And Fogo season two is out now. Yeah, Fogo season two has already started dropping
2: new episodes every Monday morning, ready for your commute. <laughs> Bring a little bit of that outdoors into your indoor space. And yeah, and I I hope you all stick around and listen to the finale and find out if I make it hunting or die trying. I've got to
0: go now and subscribe immediately, obviously. Yeah, you can listen to it wherever you get
2: podcasts, but it it does help me a little bit more if you listen to it on Spotify so they can see that, you know, people are
1: listening to the show.
0: (laughs) Noted. Done.
1: Done. Well, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed having you. And good luck in the great outdoors. I really enjoyed this walk down memory lane. (laughs)
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Songs My Ex Ruined. If you're enjoying the podcast, give us a reviewer rating on your favorite app and it will really help. And hey, subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they drop.
1: Songs My Ex-Ruined is a production of Nevermind Media. Executive producers are Melissa Locker and Courtney E. Smith. Produced and edited by Itzy Quitanilla. Sound design and theme song by Madeline McCormick. Artwork by Sophie Locker. Additional production support from Casey, Steve, Archer, Bimo, Newton, Oliver, and all the other good dogs and cats out there.